0: Our third scripture reading begins with the book of Isaiah, where God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah about the mission of his servant. Listen to me, coastlands. Pay attention, peoples far away. The Lord called me before my birth, called my name when I was in my mother's womb. He made my mouth like a sharp sword and hid me in the shadow of God's own hand. He made me a sharpened arrow and concealed me in God's quiver, saying to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I show my glory. But I said, I have wearied myself in vain, I have used up my strength for nothing. Nevertheless, The Lord will grant me justice. My reward is with my God. And now the Lord has decided, the one who formed me from the womb as his servant, to restore Jacob to God so that Israel might return to him. Moreover, I am honored in the Lord's eyes. My God has become my strength. He said, it is not enough since you are my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the survivors of Israel. Hence, I will also appoint you as a light to the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And then continuing with Luke's narrative about the birth of Jesus. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord.
1: Let's play a game. I know you're going, wow, this is Christmas Eve and he wants to play a game. I'll think of something and you try to guess what it is I'm thinking about. Can you guess it? No. (laughs) I'll give you some clues. I'm thinking of a device used to measure the passage of time. It's comprised of two glass bulbs connected vertically by a narrow neck that allows a regulated amount of fine particles to flow from the upper bulb down into the lower one. Do you know what it is? If you guessed an hourglass, you're correct. In fact, you can claim your prize. Well, I can't see your hands, so you're just consider yourself a winner. Um, only in this instance, we're, instead of an hourglass, we're going to call it a 12-minute glass, since that is the amount of time I have to tell you what I've titled the purpose of it all. I'm going to tell you the purpose of it all now in 11 minutes. So this image helps us picture the story of God's relationship with humanity as told in the Bible, and I think it depicts our own life story as well. Like the particles of sand inside the hourglass, the biblical story moves from one of universal perspective to a, one of national um, significance and interest to a particular individual And then it reverses, moving from this single individual, it grows into a new community and extends and spreads to the ends of the earth. You get the feel, it comes from here to here and back out again. If you've ever asked yourself, why am I here? The Bible says God made us to have fellowship with him, to form a relational bond with our creator. But that bond has been broken and we suffer as a result of living separated lives, independent from God. Long ago, God chose to address this broken relationship by choosing Abraham and Sarah and telling them, I will bless you and through the people who will become your descendants, I will restore the rest of the world to myself. This bond God made with the people of Israel was called a covenant, a binding relational agreement. In effect, he said, I will be your God, and they said, we will be your people. It held great, prom- great promise, except Israel kept failing to live up to their side of the agreement. No matter how much God encouraged or challenged them to do so, they could not do it. But God did not give up, despite knowing that Israel and the very nature of humanity was incapable of fulfilling such a covenant promise. Out of this people, God speaks of a chosen servant, an individual who alone would be able to restore Jacob to God. So that Israel, by the way, this is just a parallel sentence. Jacob is the one who, who gives birth to the 12 sons who become the 12 tribes who are then renamed Israel. So Jacob and Israel is the same so that they might return to him. But more than that, through this same one, God's ultimate plan and purpose will be realized. The prophet Isaiah said, it's not enough to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the survivors of Israel. I will also appoint you as a light to the nations, every ethnic group in the world, so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So to the coastlands and to the people far away, those who live outside Israel's borders, he says, hear this. From my people Israel through whom I reveal my glory, I've chosen my servant who will not only restore Israel but will also bring about my salvation for all people. So the hourglass neck represents the hub of history, the turning point in our relationship with God. This is the coming of Christ to be our Savior. Not only our Savior but the Savior of the world. From this central figure, God then builds a new community, a new relationship of people to himself. And all who form this new identity with Christ become like the shepherds in the birth story. Those who hear the angels say, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Once they hear and see for themselves, they too become messengers like the angel, telling others what God is doing. So that like the sand that moves through the center, it now spreads further and further. One man's story illustrates how this move of God can affect each of our lives as well. Frederick Buechner aspired to be a writer and had three novels published When his agent called him into his office, there, Buechner received the news that his latest novel, Lion Country, had been nominated for the National Book Award. If you're an author, it doesn't get much better than this. Perhaps the Pulitzer Prize is the only other award. Buechner described feeling a sense of profound joy and elation, thinking to himself how he had set himself apart from others with this recognition and distinction. But as he left that man's office, he encountered a man mopping the floor in the hallway. As he approached him, Buechner realized the man was a former classmate of his. As they exchanged greetings, Buechner discovered the fortunes of his friend were not the same as his own. So Buechner held back sharing his latest news to hear instead what was going on in the life of his friend. Buechner would later write this, compassion is, sometimes the, compassion is the sometimes fatal capacity for feeling what it's like to live inside somebody else's skin. It is the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me until there is peace and joy finally for you as well. Isn't that incredible? The Apostle Paul would say it this way. One man has come and given his life so that we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who gave his life for us. The purpose of it all is not only to turn our hearts to God, but to help us to turn our hearts to one another and to be able to have enough compassion for one another that we can convey the love that we ourselves have received. Jesus, the true covenant keeper, showed us and fulfilled what life in relationship with God looks like and how others are meant to um, and how we are meant to live in relationship to others. This ability to be generous and to live a God honoring life that brings glory to the one who came to save us. Amen.